are back in the football shed. My name's John Hewitt. Jeff King is here. Good day. Roger Gibbs is here. Good evening. And we're back. Sorry, everyone, for being off last week. I was very sick. Uh, Jeff was very sick. I was also very sick. You're both better now. That's we amazing. are better. We're back in the shed. But we did re-release our interview with Michael Bridges last week. So sorry, we weren't actually. Do you know? Re- I listened to it. It's really interesting. It's good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's uh, he had a good old <clears throat> career. Mm. He did. Um, Rog, what are you drinking tonight? Uh, tonight, John, I am on a boat rocker uh, stout. Wow, sounds very wintry. It's, yeah, I've been getting onto the uh, darker beers as the weather gets a bit colder lately. It's been uh, Jeff, you look like you've got fancy beers. Yeah, fancy beers, because my wife bought them instead of me when I said I put beer on the shopping list. <laughs> on the front it says, very enjoyable. What is it, though? Goat. Yeah, it's mountain goat, but what, like... It's very enjoyable. But it doesn't say what it is. Do you know what is, is a it, crock is it of shit? Is it a pale ale? Is you know, it a lager? Like, a, just a beer, innit? Um, you know what's really, really, really shit? Mm. A craft of wine. Is it called a craft? A, a craft. 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 A craft. It's like three quarters of a bottle. Isn't that crap? Well, not if it's, it's cheap. Well, no, but it's never cheap. It's just like you go, you go to a restaurant, and you're like, oh, I'll have a glass or a craft. Craft? Craft. Craft. Yeah. Like... It's crap because it's less than a bottle and it's the same price as a bottle. There they are just shammed you. No, well, no, there's, I'm going to disagree with you in <laughs> specific instances. In a lot of places, particularly in Australia, it is a sham uh, and it's like a gimmick. Yeah. But say if you go to Greece or somewhere like that where a carafe is very common, they often would have the wine in maybe bigger bottles than a bottle. They make their own. Yeah, so they, they make, make their, their own, own and then it's cheap. So it's cheaper than buying a bottle, and you just keep topping up your carafe. I'm not. In, I'm not in Greece, and it's a crock of shit. <laughs> I'm on a, a, a proper wanker beer. Tonight. Yeah, what's that one? I have a sea urchin and lemon myrtle goze. Is that a lady with very saggy boobs? There's a real old well. lady swimming on it as well. Mm-hmm, yeah. Great. Yeah, it's delicious. But uh, we are the Football Shed. We are your weekly podcast based here in Melbourne by three English blokes. Um, we record each week in Jeff's shed, hence the name Football Shed. Um, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Um, if you enjoy it, do tell your mates. Give us a review on Apple um, and subscribe. If you want to get in contact, just shoot us an email at footballshedpodcast.gmail.com um, or you can send us a message on Facebook or Instagram. Um, and we also have a shiny new website, which you can check everything out on, on footballshed.com. Every week we start with a question. And this week's question is about Christian Benteke. <laughs> um, Crystal Palace and Belgian striker scored his first goal in the best part of a year last week. Or for him, the worst part of a year. Do you know, I, can't, like, feel, <laughs> yeah. I feel like possibly the last time we talked about Christian Benteke, we were saying something very similar. <laughs> Christian Benteke scored for the first time in, in the year. Pretty much. Well, he's now played 200 Premier League games. How many goals has he scored in his 200 Premier League games? Oh, here's the thing, right? So, um, he was good at Aston Villa. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to say he scored a good... How many goals it is, at least 50 or 60% of them were in one season at Aston Villa when he was good, or a season and a half. Agree, agree. He was he was a 30-goal-a-season type... Well, a 30-goal in a single season, maybe, for Aston Villa. Got bought by Liverpool. Liverpool sold him for a profit... Yeah. yeah, that was one I of mean, the all-time bizarre like, transfers. <laughs> like, that is absolutely wonderful. Um, oh, okay, so how many goals in 200 games? F- 46. Rog, what do you reckon? Uh, 50. 70. So he's actually got a good record. Yeah. Like, Rog's old adage of uh, 
one in every two games or as a good striker, <laughs> he's not far off. Oh, come on, is that Rogers' adage? Well, Rogers brings it out all the time. Yeah, you know, just just because he flops it out doesn't make it, doesn't, doesn't, doesn't make it worth listening to. That's <laughs> yeah, true. Um, but I thought seventy and two hundred is pretty impressive, considering he's been crap for, for five so long. years. Yeah, but I, you, but like I said, if you looked at it, like there there would be a very small sample size of those goals when he was good. He played about sixty games for Villa, scored about forty goals. There you go. Yeah, so that's where so you take that out of it, and then it doesn't look. And ha- how many seasons since he left Aston Villa? Oh, he had two at Liverpool and had three at. Palace now three at Palace yeah. oh my god yeah. and how much his wages have got to be extreme because he went from Liverpool to Palace yeah. so there's no way he's going for less money oh no he's huge he's on 100 grand plus but when oh. he went to Palace I sort of thought oh it could be good maybe he needs this maybe he needs this move to rediscover his form uh, but it wasn't it seems like his form was how he's played since he left <laughs> Villa, which, is, which is really really bad and you know not to uh, it's been too long banging on about Christian <laughs> Sorry, <Okay>. Christian. <laughs> but um, you would think that the way Palace have played for the last couple of years suits a player like Christian Bendeke. Yeah. Like, if they had <clears throat> a Christian Bendeke, like <laughs> a, good a, one. a theoretical Christian Bendeke, <laughs> they would release the ball to, to Townsend and Zaha so much more efficiently. But the thing is, they don't have a theoretical Christian Benteke. They've got the real one. And the real one is really crap at being Christian Benteke. But that's why they signed him. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the bizarre thing with it is as well, it like you're going to hate this, is it? Is he crap or is it just confidence? Because I remember that Villa season, he used to bully centre-backs. You knew that he was going to win the header. And it was they kept it pretty simple. They're like, well, he's really big and he's good at heading the ball, so we're going to put lots of crosses in the box. And you know, Ned, Crystal Stuart Palace Downing have got James Ta- yeah, well, Palace have got Townsend and Zahar to you know to. Well, I good think wings. there's a good striker in there. I would say that Benteke is still could be a very good Premier League. So someone will take a punt on him. Yeah, I guarantee <laughs> he's got another big money move. <laughs> so it's it's interesting because I'm sure we'll get onto it when we talk about the Everton United game um, about the value of a striker that doesn't score goals and yeah. whether. Um, we might as well talk about it now. Yeah, yeah. So Man United lost 4-0 to Everton. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> that is absolutely brilliant. Uh, now, obviously, there are a few bits of this game that I want to highlight, but I'm going to start with DCL. Yeah. So For anyone else who's there? Yeah, please. I don't like the acronym. Yeah, that acronym's horrible. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm sticking with no, it. I'm sticking Dominic Calvert-Lewin. DCL. So still, we're going to start with DCL. Uh, this is a democratic podcast. Let's have a put it to a vote. Are we sticking with DCL? No way. No. <laughs> um, one that you will like to stick with. Have you heard they're calling Theo Walcott Theon Walcott? Because <laughs> he hasn't got a cock. <laughs> <laughs> that is good. Are we sticking with that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is that the Evan Benson? <laughs> you can have that one. You can't have DCL. <laughs> so anyway, DCL. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Uh, so the... You can tell a lot about um, the value of a centre forward that doesn't score goals by what they do for the team. So yeah. what we, you know, I'm not going to give him man. I'm not going to give him man and man of the match for his performance. But he was excellent. And when you listen to interviews of Everton players that play in the forward lines, and so listen to Bernard, listen to Richarlison, listen to Sigurdsson, they have nothing but praise for Calvert Lewin. The work that he does. So so by pulling wide by by muscling like he's uh, Calvert-Lewin have come out and said that in the last year he's learned how to use his body 
He said, I've learned that I have an ability in my physical presence that I wasn't using before. That I can bully people, I, I'm quick. Like, he's got this, like, I'm sweet to physical attributes that learning how to harness is freeing up players who are better at scoring goals than him. Do you and think when, in that learning they've been playing in old footage of Victor and Yeah, well, <laughs> here's the thing. Like, no one came out and said they loved playing with Victor and mm. Everyone came out and gone, oh, he's got, he's got the raw material. But Calvert-Lewin, Sigurdsson's coming out and going, it's a pleasure to play with him because he will always win the ball. He will always muscle a defender. He will always create space for that number 10. Everton have obviously played well recently, apart from the Fulham game. Um, And they've started him up front every week. So it's not Tosin playing there or Richarlison playing up front. They found a system that works. So if it doesn't score... But you're winning 4-0 against Man United, does it matter? It's exactly right. So, so everything changed after that Liverpool home game. So the, the Liverpool game at Goodison Park where they played Richarlison out on the right, they played Bernard out on the left, they played Sigerson in the hole and Calvert-Lewin up front. Here's a question for you. Is Calvert-Lewin the perfect person to be signed by Spurs to be the backup striker for Harry Kane? Because he works hard, he runs hard in a pressing team He'll hold the ball up for you and he can give it off to players that are better. Maybe he's perfect for Spurs. You say that, what a, but Loriente, I was in Loriente the game. Loriente doesn't run. No, no, but in, I was really impressed with his if you, his statistics where were talked about in the week in terms of uh, goal involvement compared yeah. to games, so goals and assists. And his record has been brilliant. And particularly when you factor in that half the time he's only on the pitch for 15 minutes. Like it's something like, you know, 30, um, he's been involved in 30 goals in 50 appearances. Oh, I think the red is really really good. Going back to your question, do you think Calvert-Lewin? I don't think so because when Spurs um, tag out, (laughs) when they they sub out uh, Harry Kane, they they change the way they play. Mm -hmm. So they they bring in another striker who's who's going to score. Yeah. and I'm not sure that Calvert-Lewin's that player yet. But when we talk about Benteke and we think that, you know, Benteke was the perfect player for Palace because he would free up all of these attacking players. Calvert-Lewin is a younger, quicker, stronger, more confident version of that with more prospect. Now, we've we've slated... Like, if you listen to this podcast regularly, the beginning of the year we were slating Calvert-Lewin because he was essentially rubbish. Mm-hmm. I'm still not sure he's good. This is the thing. Yeah. Statistically, go on the statistics. <clears throat> Statistically, he's probably not... <clears throat> But what he brings to a team, when his teammates are coming out saying he's a pleasure to play with because of what he does for your space. Like the, the, it was telling during that Everton-Man United game how much, space the Ever, how much space Everton players had just outside the penalty area. That doesn't just happen. You know, people are creating those spaces and those pockets. And as you're going up the wing, having a centre-forward pull out one of the centre-backs means that when something gets knocked down, oh, he wins every first header. He's all elbows when he jumps. He's quick. I mean, I can't believe Everton are winning 4-0 against Man United and the one player I'm, I'm highlighting is not the <laughs> player who's either scored a goal or had the best game of his life. But he changed the way Everton played for that Liverpool game. And as you say, it's completely coincided. His run of six weeks playing mm. centre-forward for Everton has coincided with Everton beating Arsenal, beating Spurs, beating Man United, drawing against Liverpool. It's, it's an incredible run of form and it's been since that structural change. Richarlison's been playing on the right and Bernard's been having the time of his life. Um, is, yeah, and I don't... They started with Richarlison up front. He might be a striker eventually. I know he's still quite young. Mm. But I think at the moment he's not... He plays better out wide and coming in, whether it's on the left or the right. And I think you don't have many other options up front. So... It, 
But we, I think we were almost calling for it to happen earlier than it did. But you're right, it's like structurally you're way better when Calvert-Lewin is playing up front. Agree. Mm. Richarlison doesn't have the same match. Like, he's better with the ball in front of him. Yes, yeah, Calvert-Lewin. Chase is lost causes for fun. He has the energy. Um, the way he talks about the, the strategy sessions they have in training, he's being taught how to use his energy at the right times. He's being taught to preserve his energy until certain moments. And in those moments, he uses as much as he has. Which he sprints out to those lost causes, but doesn't just buzz around. Now Everton have gone on a really great run and um, are sitting ninth in the league right now because... My league is up, not updated from this morning, but Wolves have jumped above them. As an Everton fan, do you want to come seventh and be in the Europa League next year, or would you prefer to finish eighth, ninth, or tenth and know that next year you don't have to worry about Europa League, you don't have to come back to, to playing competitive games in July, and you can actually run at the league? Like you, you're playing well, well at the moment, like so you could get into Europe, but do you want to? I think it's an interesting, interesting question. I think it's different for Everton than it is for any other teams looking for seventh. If I was Wolves or if I was Leicester, I would rather not. Yeah. But Everton built a squad for the Europa League the previous season. So Everton's squad is bloated. There's 35 first-team players, something like that. You, know, you forget the players that are out on loan. They've got Morelos who's out on loan. They've got Mo Besic who's out on loan. Balassi's out on loan. These players, when Michael Brands branched and Silva came in, they just got rid of so many players so that they could actually solidify a new strategy, a new way of playing, a new ethos. If Everton were to qualify for the Europa League some of those players that are surplus to requirements might actually have a role to play in a squad now there are some of those players who are good enough to be squad players in a team that's going to go and play against a hijack split that's fine which means that there's less of a burden on this summer releasing and getting rid of some of that dead wood I'd say a player like James McCarthy he has got more chance to play for Everton if we're in the Europa League because he'll get more opportunities to regain his fitness. If, if we're in, not, he's gone. If you're in the Europa League next year, so the semi-finalists in the Europa League are Chelsea and Arsenal, and then Valencia, Valencia and Frankfurt, Frankfurt Eintracht Frankfurt. Yeah, yeah. I would say Everton are better than Eintracht Frankfurt and pretty similar to Valencia, but probably better. And you're not better than Chelsea and Arsenal. Although we beat Chelsea and Arsenal in the last two weeks. Valencia, you might be doing Valencia a disservice. Um, no, Valencia are crap. They've just overperformed. Um, there is that um, a better route into the Champions League than aiming for fourth next year. So yeah. is it better to finish seventh and give the Europa League everything? Because I think... An English team going into the Europa League, anyone, I reckon, from the top 10, really, could win the Europa League. And so, is that a better route to take than to go aim for fourth next year? Yeah, I do. I think you're right. I, or at least, I don't say, because you didn't form a conclusion. I agree. I, <laughs> I think yes. The answer to that is yes. If you're not a team like West Ham or Leicester, if you're Leicester, you suddenly think, shit, we've got a 25-man squad... To, to challenge on two fronts and to get so deep into... Oh, sorry, challenge on four fronts, really, because yeah. you FA Cup squad, etc. Yeah. To, to get that far, you need to start signing players, which means it's going to cost you money. You have to do that before you're even in the group stage of the comp- competition, which means that if you get knocked out in that knockout round that's to get into the group stage and you've signed all of these players, suddenly you have a bloated Premier League squad, you're not going to be able to afford anyone in the in the summer uh, Christmas transfer window yeah. if, if you're not performing very well. It really does set you up for failure. But Everton have already got those players out on lane. So of all the teams there, they're most... Uh, the most flexible to actually perform in that competition. 
Blassie's good enough to be in the group stages of the Europa League. Yeah, it okay. was when he was playing well. I, don't, he, know, well, I don't know if that's still <laughs> so, so was Benteke. Yeah. <laughs> but the last thing I want to, I want yeah, to say on. on that game is fuck Everton were good. Everyone were really, really good. Were Everton really good? Yes. Or were Man United really shit? Man yes. United <laughs> didn't ran like 8k less than Everton. That, that is that so game. bad. And what having watched it, there's just, just no effort. Like genuinely no <clears> care <throat> in the world. No running around. Like that's piss poor. <clears throat> it doesn't matter how good you are. You might be awful. You might be a smoker like me, but I'd still try and run around. Yeah. Like, you've got to put effort in. Yeah, that's not negotiable. Like, yeah, and... And there was no reaction to any of the goals. So, so the goals were... If no one watched the games, the goals were pretty spread out, wasn't it? The goal after, what, 20 minutes or, or 8 minutes, whatever it was. Yeah. They were pretty spread out, two in the first half, two in the second half. If Theo Walcott scoring the fourth goal against you, you pretty you've got problems. Yeah. But Theon there was, or Theo? Theon. Theon. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, the... You would expect there to be a reaction after each of those goals because you're Manchester United. No matter what Ollie, Ollie's saying, or, it doesn't matter. You expect a reaction. But the last 15, 20 minutes of that game was so pedestrian. Yeah. It, the crowd was singing, we want five. And, it, and the only time that I felt United were going to score was when Martial cut in off on the left, mm. cut in on his right foot, and he, and he hit it wide. And that was the only time where I thought, oh, you've done something. Yeah. I'd like to talk about United a little bit. But well, yeah, one, let's move one, on to... One Everton thing. Yeah, okay. Uh, if Lucas Dean, Digne can learn how to defend, you've got a very good left back there. Going forward, great. Yeah. Great left foot. Can really can cross the ball. Um, he's got a long throw, which I didn't know about until this game. Well, it's um, not effective. But, but he also, good defensive. But but he's, he's, that's how we beat Arsenal with his long throw. Same thing. Yeah, but I just going forward looks great. So he's. I think we've talked about it previously. He's had more crosses than anyone else. He's the, created the most chances of any defender in the Premier League. That's yeah. more than Robertson and. Yeah. You know. I think he's had more crosses as well, or something like that. But he's he does get exposed. Uh, with balls in behind him at times because he gets a bit carried away going forward but I think yeah. if he can sort of temper that a bit like cause that's the thing about Robertson Robertson yes we know all about um, how good he is going forward but he's also great defensively yeah. um, and Dinho hasn't got that yet but if he can he's still young if he can sort that out I think you've got a potentially a very good left and he's, he's got a good pedigree he's played for Roma for PSG for Barcelona like the kid's good or well, lack of commitment yeah, or, or he just wasn't <laughs> nurtured the way he's being nurtured at Everton, John. Speaking of creating chances, do you know who has created the most chances in the Premier League this season? Uh, no. James Madison. Wow. Statistically, he has created the most chances just in the Premier League. putting that in there and for your... Just uh, before end the end of season, season awards. Oh, but isn't that incredible? That so if, if you're a Leicester fan, you're looking at that thinking, well... He's you go you bought this kid for twenty million. Sorry, to go, we're going to talk about Man United yeah. now. I'm sure bought this kid for twenty million, and now you're suddenly you're building your team around him. When at the beginning, when we were talking about him being the next Frank Lampard, you just watch this space for the next ten years. Yeah, he's going to be good. Um, let's move on to Man United. So they lost four 0 to Everton, and so this morning we're expecting a real committed return to power at home at Old Trafford in the Manchester derby. Everyone will run around, try really hard. Think about the 90s when Paul Scholes was good and go, yeah, we're brilliant. Turns out no one gave a shit. A fucking wet flannel. It was the <laughs> wettest <laughs> flannel we I've seen in a long time. It was, like, as Damn. a Man United fan, it's embarrassing. Like, there's no other word for it. It's just embarrassing to watch players try for 15 minutes and then go, oh, it's not working, and then just give up. But where, what I don't understand with this is where this is coming from. Because as much as anything... 
the practicalities of where you are in the league. Like, Man United need to keep winning to get in the Champions League if and they want to improve. So how, where does this lack of commitment from the players come from? I, I'm struggling to understand why they are being so lethargic. And in the race for the top four, everyone is choking. Like Spurs, not so much because they lost to Man City, but they... Um, I think Spurs are in now. Yeah, they yeah. beat Brighton just. But Chelsea, Arsenal are dropping points. This is the perfect time of your main night to go... We've got to really put some effort in here and we can make top four ours and we can be there next season and we know that we can restructure a bit and get rid of a few players and get back in. I just think there is, there's something wrong and I don't know what it is and there's speculation about what it is. There's something wrong in the change room. There's something, there's not, people either don't get on, they don't want to work with each other, there might be disputes over who's getting paid more than the other person, maybe they're getting paid too much for the, how good they are, and it's just not working. And they go out to play and they do not care. They don't care about performing that day. They care about whatever else they care about, but they don't care about running around and trying hard for Man United and getting a result. No, they look like a disparate group of individuals yeah. rather and uh, one of my biggest concerns for you in this is I there was always a question mark on Solskjaer were we seeing Man United when Man United were going really well were we seeing a result of Solskjaer being a good coach <laughs> and a good football manager and getting the best out of a group of players or were we just seeing a brief spurt of relief that Jose Mourinho it's a puppy. Gone. It's a it's a, it's a, a Labrador we talked yeah. about a Labrador could do that and then now that's that honeymoon period's over and he's you have to put this on the manager because the manager is the one that has to motivate these players to be able to go out and perform their roles do you put it on the manager or do you put it on the fact that they gave the guy the full time job at the wrong time like why did they do it after having lost a few games and in a break in the international break before we've got six weeks before the end of the season, which are really important. Why don't you just go... Do it at the end of the season. At, wait till the end of the season. Make a decision, but... Yeah, if we like, finish sixth and we got knocked out by Barcelona in the Champions League, it's great that we got past PSG. That's brilliant. Well done. But actually, if we lose every game between now and the end of the season and just fall away, and then we go, oh, we've got to go with Solskjaer because we've committed to it now, and then there is no way of clearing it up. There's no hiring of a director of football there's no kind of strategy to who we're buying there's no plans to upgrade everyone's complaining about the stadium because it's basically falling apart because no one's just giving it a lick of paint Your or anything teams and facilities well, we've no, talked about that so, yeah. so when Mourinho got the sack you were 19 points behind Liverpool and you were 6th in the league mm-hmm. after the Everton defeat you are still 6th in the league and 21 points behind Liverpool you can look at it like that, or when Mourinho was sacked, we were two points above Everton, and now we're fifteen. So you can, yeah, yeah. you can. So there's the like, yes, we're nowhere near Liverpool, but we have closed the gap. There was no chance of getting top four when Mourinho was in charge. Do, so do you think we've closed that gap? You'll hate this question, but do you think that Mourinho would have performed better in the Manchester derby this morning? Yes. I think he would have got a nil-nil. Everyone would have hated it, yeah. but it would have dramatically affected the title race. And I, I've got a, my biggest concern with Oli right now, 
Um, yes, we're playing, well, we're not at the moment, but we've been playing better football and the Man United way, whatever that is. But my concern at the moment is it's turned into such a reverie for the old times and for Fergie and what Man United used to be in the 90s and how they used to play that it's completely forgotten the fact that now you have to deal with now. And he doesn't even yeah. park in Fergie's parking space because he's out of respect. Mm. That's not respect. That's just shit. Like, it's unhealthy. It's, it's unhealthy. unhealthy level yeah. of respect. Yeah. Also, he's coming out with so many positive lines that just seem nonsensical, slightly turning into Roberto Martinez. There's that, oh. there's that bit of a, a, a more positive version of David Moyes. I actually feel like you've gone a little bit full circle in terms of where you're at with the team situation, management structure. And I, I don't think Mourinho was the right man. We've talked about this. You didn't think Solskjaer was right. I agree with you. I don't think he's right. And the the big thing, you know, in answer to your question about what it is as well, I think it's, it's all those things. And it's you've got to start at the top, in the club hierarchy. They didn't make the right decision with Solskjaer no. or perhaps maybe you know the jury's still out but I agree with you I don't think they made that decision at the right time yeah um, or I didn't announce it at the right time and that's one of the issues you know you've had you've had all these managers since Fergie's gone they've all brought in different players so you're now seeing the results of that in terms of a squad that's made up of various different managers players you know you've still got um, Smalling and Jones playing yeah. who have been there through the whole lot uh, despite you know signing another five centre backs, so that doesn't work well. And then is putting Solskjaer in planning for the future? Because if you man, let's face it, Man United want to be doing what Liverpool and Man City are doing at the moment. We which should is be winning cha- the challenging like, for the Champions League and trying to win yeah. the league. To do that, things need to change fairly drastically. Um, and I don't think you can just sign you know spend a hundred million on players and fix it. Like you kind of need to fix everything yeah. and you would hope that they made the decision with Solskjaer because they thought that he was the right person to lead that substantial change however I don't I don't think it was okay. I think it was an impulsive snap decision made because he got on a run of good results and they're like oh we can't not hire him this looks good let's give him the job here's, here's a question for you so what's the point right what in life <laughs> I mean so does a manager make any difference at all now, let me let me give you give you some 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 I guess foundation here yeah. uh, so alright Everton might finish 7th great Everton finished 8th last year yeah. like, like what is it 6 out of the last 8 years Everton have won the Everton Cup something like that Whereas Everton have changed their manager from David Moyes to Martinez to Koeman to Big Sam to... so you could argue that the manager has made absolutely zero impact on that team whatsoever on their success. Yeah. Now you're going to look at Huddersfield changed their manager, bottom of the league. Still bottom of the league. Southampton changed their manager, 16th. Probably about right. Probably what we expected at the no, beginning of the year. No, they, they were in all they, sorts of strife. Southampton, I see that's where your argument falls down. Southampton improved loads. Spurs are only where they are because of their manager. So, so I, I think that there are a few instances where the manager makes a difference. But they are few and far between. The rest, the, the, the football club makes a difference. The football club is where it is. I'm just yeah. arguing this point, yeah. really. That the, the, the change in manager, we then, we look at, now, okay, we look at the manager as a figurehead. 
They're the person who, who, who stands up to the press. They're the person who you get the quotes from. They explain a bad day. It gets blamed on them. They take credit for a good day. Great. They ride their circus. But the first person to get the sack when the team doesn't perform, someone else comes in and we expect the team to perform. Just like what's happened with Mourinho and, and Solskjaer. Yeah. So, you know, they are the same team, essentially. He's not at a transfer window. So then suddenly we go, it's the manager. It's the manager. It's the manager. The right man, the bad man. What, what's the point? But that's what I'm saying. It's yeah. not. It's more than that at United. Yeah. They need it. You've got to start at the top. I'd argue it's more than that everywhere. Yeah. I'd, I'd argue that we get we get blindsided by the by the media persona of these people and think that this person is the single handedly representing our club and our and our club is a success because of this one person. We look at Spurs. We go Pochettino. Now Pochettino, yeah, he's a good, he's a great coach. Take it wrong, you. But Pochettino is not the person working with the under 18s develop, developing youth. Mm. Pochettino has a group of coaches, and one of the reasons why he didn't get the Real Madrid job or, or why there was is because he wanted to bring his whole fucking team with him, and they're all on extreme wages, just like they are at Spurs. Mm. That whole team creates an ethos. The manager is just the figurehead of that. I, I before you go on, like I I agree with your general point, but the manager is an important or the manager or the head coach or whatever structure you have is an important part of that structure and so you need to get that decision right it needs to go in place with a bunch of other decisions the football clubs that are done well make decisions across the whole spectrum of the football club and at the moment that's not man united so i actually think that they need if you want man united to change i think you need to go higher than the coach or the manager yeah. I, I'd get rid of Woodward yeah. personally I, I just well, don't I, I don't know, know, he makes he, loads of money great you and, don't need to get rid of him you just need to have someone alongside him that knows about yeah football. let him deal with making money which is what he's good at bring yeah. someone else in to do if football if you take the example of what you're talking about Jeff but you look at Wolves and Fulham now Wolves and Fulham both came up this year and have loads of money Fulham are run like a clusterfuck no one knows what's going on no one knows who's buying who who's doing what what's going on was it the son's um, mate was giving advice on transfer targets yeah. like there's no one knows what's happening wolves is run in a very structured way and they have the right manager in nuno espirito santos whatever his name is in that charge very good. is that good yeah um he, <laughs> the nez i like i like on his shirt it just says nez um uh, he He's the right figurehead for the way that that club is structured. Southampton had a great structure and they got the right figureheads in at the right time and then they panicked and got it wrong. That's not the manager's fault, that's the hierarchy's fault. I'm going to disagree with your example there because not with Southampton, pardon me, I'm going to disagree with the Fulham Wolves because Wolves have a very unique situation where their club has a deal with an agent and that agent is... Of Portuguese descent and has access to players who are beyond when when Wolves signed them, which was when they were in the Championship. Wolves spent more money than anyone else to get out of the Championship, and had they not been promoted, they would have been in administration because they couldn't afford it. Yeah. They completely smashed that league. They were playing Premier League wages, Premier League transfer fees, with a deal with an agent, which means that by the time they got to the Premier League, they, their methodology was solidified. Now, Fulham... You can't say, I mean, you can, that they spent a lot of money, they were a clusterfuck, they deserve to go down. We have accepted that. However, their current manager, Scott Parker, has been at the club the whole time. It's not that they didn't have football people. They had football people who are now trusted to run the football in that club, who were bringing up the youth, who were helping with tactics, who were the coaches. They weren't a complete shambles. 
but we look at what happened and we go, it, the decisions that were made, Roger, you're right. You don't make decisions at manager level and expect a club to change. You make decisions above it. The decisions above Scott Parker, the decisions above Fulham were shambolic. Now, what's happened with Manchester United is, is they were used to having a manager who did everything. Yeah. Therefore, their methodology yeah. is replace the manager and it replaces everything. But actually, that is a very, very unique scenario that Manchester yeah. United are in. And, and then other clubs, you know, I look at Arsenal with Arsene Wenger, they're considered a well-run football club because they make money, but they had to live through the fucking Bentner, Ben Ayoum, <laughs> like the the shit yeah. to, to, to be a well-run club. So you ask their fans, do you want to have a well-run club or do you want to be Manchester City? Um, not to go back to Wolves and Fulham too much, but Wolves got it right in the Championship. They could have easily got it wrong. They put all their money into that but eggs into yeah. one basket. They got the right manager and the right players because they had the right structure there. You could do exactly basically what Wolves did last year, Fulham did this year and threw money at it. Wolves As they got to the Premier League. Yeah, yeah. They and didn't Wolves, have a year to get ready. And Wolves did it smartly, but they did it last year. But they could have got it wrong. And we could be talking about Wolves now that are bottom half of the championship possibly getting relegated because it's all gone wrong just like Villa like Villa did that and Villa got knocked out in the playoff final to Fulham and Villa would without the buyout that happened mid last year they were into administration weren't they because they threw all their money at just like Wolves did but it was a I feel like the Wolves approach was more considered like it was a a way of playing get players in that will work that this way of playing will get us promoted for the championship and we think it will sustain us in the Premier League you know thinking about all those things whereas Fulham basically went we've got promoted to the Premier League shit we don't don't think our squad's good enough Uh, we better sign some players Uh, we don't quite know who to sign this guy's available we'll sign him like there was no I mean I'm sure there was more to it than that but it didn't come across that so what I'm saying is if we take exactly what you said about Wolves there is an argument that Nuno is completely pointless no, yeah. I think he's a very good coach. But they're, they're great, but that, but you just said the whole club is set up in exactly the right way. Everything you just said, so you like rewind, listen to it, spot on. Which means that the figurehead of that, the guy who does the interviews, is great. He's the persona. I get it, but he is a replaceable human because the club is set up like Swansea used to be set up, where they have an ethos, they have, they, they have a way of working, and you can actually. Yeah, trade it's a, in, it's trade a bit out. of both though. Because if you had, if you brought in a terrible manager, and we see this, then obviously the manager makes key decisions on a, on a team and on game day, and so it's an important. He's an important cog in the machine. It's not necessarily, I agree, like the Fergie situation at United, where he's making all the decisions. But the manager is still important. Yeah, but you could crowdfund it. Not crowd, like not crowdfund it. You, you could, you could have a vote. For starting eleven, I reckon. So if Manchester United no, put, it, put it out, no, right. you, you've gone down bollocks. Let's go back to let's go, let's go down back to Man United. <laughs> That's just art and nonsense. Um, one thing, last thing I wanted to say on Man United. Um, Ian Wright on the radio this week has been talking a lot about them needing to get rid of Alexis Sanchez. Now Alexis Sanchez came from Arsenal, which obviously Ian Wright knows a lot about Arsenal. And he was just saying they need to get that man out of the changing room. And now I don't know what he's he's saying. It's something to do with the highs, how big his wages are, that he's coming on these huge half a million pound a week wages. Um, uh, but then there was also rumours when he left Arsenal that no one liked him and stuff. And, and now for Ian Wright to come out and kind of cryptically say they just need this guy out of the changing room, 
that's when they talk about I don't know if Pogba's the bad egg or someone else is a bad egg or whatever yeah. but there is definitely something going on in the internal change rooms that Solskjaer needs to go in and just go you 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 fuck off we're playing three kids but, but he's not when you're a nice puppy dog like Solskjaer I think that's harder but I don't think he is a nice puppy dog I think he looks like one because he's got a baby face but I don't think he is and I think I'll give him okay. cre- credence until he doesn't do it but in the summer, I think he will turn around to three or four of the big guys and just go, either you play for me or you fuck off. Yeah. The, the Sanchez one's weird as well, because when he was at Arsenal, I looked at him as like almost the most un-Arsenal of the Arsenal players in that he had a bit of grit. Mm. And uh, you know, often we'd accuse Arsenal of like looking very good but being a bit flaky when it counts. Whereas I think Sanchez, you would say, he was a winner. He had mongrel. And, you know, as well as being very good, which he certainly was at Arsenal, he was one of the best players in the Premier League when he was playing well. But he had, you know, pressure was great. You know he'd give you 110% every, you know, every week. And so when United signed him, I thought, well, maybe, you know, if he gets back to that again, great. But then he's a different player. Is, is it, you know, Alexis Sanchez is statistically, and I've got, I've got the top four here, oh. he is statistically the highest earner in Premier League history for sitting on the bench. Wow. Jeez, the time that he has been on the bench, he has earned four point eight million pounds. Good one. That's a good job. I that's do that's that. like eight million dollars. I'm good at doing the warm up. It's, 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 it's an interesting top four if you want to yeah, want to hear on, the other three. Um, second in that list is Daniel Sturridge. Wow, who is who has been on the bench for two thousand three hundred and fifty three minutes. Earning a whopping four point six million pounds. Does that include injury time? Or no, it's not? Not, no, on literally sitting so on a bench sitting on a during a game. Yeah. Uh, third, and you'll love this, Riyad Mahrez. Because yeah. <laughs> of the, the, this is the thing, they're yeah. all current players because of the wages they're on. Yeah. He has spent one thousand four hundred fifty minutes on a bench and earned four point four million dollars. Before you tell us number four, how many goals do you reckon Riyad Mahrez has scored this season? I don't know. Uh, maybe ten, eleven. He's definitely not flop of the year if he scored 11 goals for Man City. Man City were battling on four fronts and how many of them in the FA Cup and the League Cup? <laughs> Just throwing it out there. Um, Easy number four. Uh, number four, Otamendi. Otamendi, has, Nicholas wow. Otamendi for Manchester City has spent 1,380 minutes sitting on the bench and earned £3.7 million. Obviously on big wages. What, so what, but what do you think on Sanchez? Like when? So, what do you think when United signed him? And is it an attitude problem with him or is it just United and it's rubbed off on him what's the I've got three points on Sanchez one I think he's like slightly odd guy like fine people can be different and odd and that's fine but I loves think loves his dogs doesn't he? he I just think he's slightly odd and <laughs> I don't see I'm not on social media yeah, so yeah, he's got loads of dogs um, cuddles them in a way that you're like mm. <laughs> bit too friendly they like it peanut butter yeah <laughs> Um, Eats him with his head joke. Everything that came out of Arsenal was that he wasn't like mates with anyone. He didn't talk to anyone. Very quiet. So that's fine. And a lot of people have been brilliant footballers and done that and yeah. had a great career. He played uh, for Chile a lot over the last 10 years yeah. and has played from a very young age. Like He came over to Europe when he was like 15, 16. Um, has played a lot of football. A bit like Rooney, he's 29, 30 now. A bit like Rooney, just played so much football when he's young. He's really like a 35-year-old. He's burnt out. He's he's at the end of his career. Like He's just played a huge amount of football. Also, Man United bought him just to spite Man City. There is no 
structural plan or realise like proper strategy of why are we getting this guy? Oh, Man City are buying him. We'll offer him half mm. a million pounds a week so he comes And our in. two best players also play in the same position. Yeah. yeah. It, it was, was, it was retaliation for Tevez. It was it? just yeah. like, you don't need this guy. We don't, he doesn't fit into the squad. He doesn't fit into the team. Now we're paying the guy half a million pounds a week. He's burnt out. He's a bit of a weirdo. And everyone else in the change room is going, this guy hardly ever plays. He just sits on the bench, gets paid £4.8 million. Ruins everything. Why can't I get paid that? And yeah. it's not about like the money numbers or whatever. It's the relation, the the equivalent. Of, if we all worked in the same office and Jeff was earning two hundred percent more than us, we'd be like, "Well, fuck that." Jeff doesn't do anything more than us, and that's that's yeah, the he problem. He actually does less. And from, from, <laughs> from, <laughs> like from a my work perspective, which no one wants to, no one gives a shit what I do for a living. But when I have clients, they don't care how much things cost; they only care whether they're getting value for their money. Yes, and that's exactly the same as the Manchester United dressing room. You don't care how much he's earning; you just care whether he's value for his money. Yeah. And you look at him and you go, "You are not value for your money, and you're earning more than me." And yeah. that's what create. It doesn't matter about the figure. No, it should be you know a, a Hazard or a you know a Serling or an Aguero mm. or a Van Dyke like right. those wages. Well, you've got to move on. All right. Um, so Man United, uh, Man United wrapping it up shit they're going down the gurgler uh, re- relegation candidates next season see ya brilliant <laughs> let's touch on the title race so Man City obviously beat Man United this morning um, and they also beat Spurs at the weekend 1-0 in one of the scrappiest Man City wins I've seen in a long time but they got across the line which is amazing Um and after the Champions League game, so we missed out being able to talk about the Champions League game last week, which Spurs end up getting through in one of the most dramatic and best game of footballs I've ever seen. I just love VAR so much. <laughs> I love it. But rather than getting onto a massive conversation on that VAR. game, <laughs> yes, that game was incredible. But the fact that City bounced back and now have won two games with two clean sheets, 1-0, 2-0, I think means that they're going to go on and win the league. Neither one of Liverpool and City have lost a game in the last two months. They've won every game in two months. It's ridiculous. Mm. That's in the league, obviously. Well, we said yeah. a couple of weeks ago that, or I said that I think they could both conceivably win all their games yeah. to the end of the year. Well, Rog, you're just a glowing fountain of football knowledge, <laughs> and we should all listen to you all the time. But I. Um, I, I go on, here you go. <laughs> if, if we look at those three games in a row, sorry, I didn't mean to make oh, it sad, Rog. Rog looks sad for everyone else. <laughs> It's all right, Rod. Go on, um, what are you going to say? Those three games, we look at it in a whole. I feel like Spurs won. Like, I feel like if you look at it as a trio of games, coming out of that with the stakes that were that were involved and league positions and how, how everything looks, I look at, okay, they had three games against each other in a short space of time, Spurs came out victorious. However, Spurs won one game 1-0 and they lost two. I did say before these you three said games, they were going to win one. They will win one game, and it's just making sure you win the right one. And they did win the they, right one. They did, and then away goals. Don't get me started on away goals. But I, I just feel like Spurs would be coming out the back of that, and they had chances in that one nil against Man City. Mm. Yeah, oh, yeah. big chances. Like that wasn't a, a walk in the park for Manchester City. But I think Spurs will come out of that with way more confidence than they expected to. Uh so we just gave Man City some credit mm. uh, and yeah I probably agree with you they will win the league although I would love it if Brendan Rodgers could 
pull some sort of miracle out the hat thinking of his Liverpool days. Yeah, so, be a nice so Man story. City played Burnley, Leicester, and who else did they play? Uh, Brighton, I think. And Brighton. So, well, they've beaten Brighton. But Leicester, Burnley uh, could be tricky. They're going to win them all, I yeah, think, yeah. unfortunately. But the, um, I gave Pep a bit of a serve after the first leg of the Champions League. Now, I don't want to go into it in too much detail, but I think he also made a glaring error Talking about managers not being important. Uh, I, I, I think he made a, a bit of a glaring error in this game as well. Um, in the Spurs one In the Spurs, in the, no, in the Spurs Man City crazy game. Yeah. Um, Sp- all Spurs goals came from fairly glaring mistakes by Man City centre backs. Two mm. by Laporte, who's been great this year. Mm. Yeah, he didn't matter. Um, but I think a lot of that was because he was playing next to company. Now, earlier this season, we talked about company being a liability for Manchester City mm. when he's played. I thought he looked like a liability. In this. He, I've read a couple of articles that gave him an all right rating, but I reckon one of the reasons Laporte made those mistakes is he's almost trying to overcompensate because he's playing next to company. And I think that Man City team were carrying company a bit. And I think company for the um, Lorientes uh, side yeah, goal, should we hip. say, off his hip... Uh, Company sh- just timed his leap horribly. He should have that should have been a, a stock standard clearing header from a corner, and he just missed it. And I think that you know I understand wanting to start at your best. You know you have some experience in the game. I think Man City have looked um, the most solid by a long way this year when they've had Stones and Laporte playing centre backs. And I think again one of the weaknesses. And also his strengths in trusting his system so much, and you know, being able to move these parts of the machine around, and it still functions the same. Some you potentially bring a player in that's not as good, and I think Laporte and Stones have a really good partnership, and Man City look much better at the back when they're playing. I know Company has also played in these following two games, yeah, I but I, I just, I just thought that was an error. I don't think he should have started Company, and I think he got. I think that was one of the main reasons why Man City's conceded those. Points. I think, yeah, I think it's, it's a panic thing of going. I need my voice on the pitch, and Company is that person that does the pep work on the. It's pitch. him and Fernandinho. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And um, yeah, Company's started three out of the last four games for Man City's, which he's not played that regularly for the last two years but suddenly he just gets thrown in gets played in the League Cup final like he gets played in the big games and I think that's Pep just going control it on the pitch control everything and I think it will lead to mistakes by the people around him because they're trying to cover for him and company isn't as good but usually it will get them across the line and in the Champions League it did get them across the line but then VAR came in and went, no, no, yeah. sorry. Well, no, no, I, but it wasn't VAR, was it? Because actually, I, I don't like VAR, and we know that, but the correct decision was made in both instances. Yeah. So it wasn't VAR that caused, I think it was Pep making the wrong decision. But the, you're right, in that earlier on, the only, the other time company had a run this year, and we talked about it, was when, when they had that bit of a stumble. Mm. And we were like, where are their leaders? Where are their characters? What did they do? They put, put Chuck Company in. Chuck Company in. So I think he's like gone back to that again. Um, but I also think that he's just not as good anymore. And I think that if Stones would have been playing, I think Man City would have won that game against Spurs. We should move on to the relegation battle. Can we please mention Mustafi? Oh, 
Yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, Arsenal, Arsenal Mustafi. I've not seen a worse defensive individual performance than, than oh. Shaka Shakaru Mustafi, the World s- Cup winner. Second goal against Palace, where he just stands there and goes, wait, oh, Zaha's not there. I couldn't yeah, move on to the special. relegation yeah. battle without bringing up Mustafi. It was a bit Chuckle Brothers. To me, to me, to you. And the fact that he blamed Leno, the fact that he looked up and was like, where were you? Like, yeah. you just stopped running, you absolute <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> like if I was an Arsenal fan I, I wouldn't be able to cope I wouldn't be able to handle that how has he managed to masquerade as a footballer for that long <laughs> a £35 million pound footballer yeah. fuck off when he Everton let him go that kid but I know that was the best bit about it was it was like afterwards he was like yeah I was trying to shepherd it back you didn't, shepherd you did, it you back. didn't realise them. no you just stopped like in, in your head were you were you shepherding that ball back to the keeper because it's a long way and you basically just stopped running he has been a walking tragedy for the last oh, yeah. couple of months yeah. I mean I, I know Arsenal fans would say it's all year but I, he was okay you know when they bought him for £35 million he was the solution now I've not as I say I've can't let it slide without saying that is the worst individual defensive performance <laughs> I've seen in my adult life. Last thing on that, they dropped him for this morning. They still lost three one to Wolves. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it makes no yeah, difference. Yeah, but who do they bring in? A... Yeah, I don't know. Um, so on to the relegation, just because we're running out of time. So Brighton are sitting on thirty four points. Cardiff on thirty one points. Brighton lost to Spurs. And they got a horrible nil-nil draw against Wolves. But that is a massive point. Like, in the context of the relegation fight, because of the goal difference that Cardiff had, huge point. It's a huge point, but also I think I've run out of patience with teams that just set up to defend. Mm. Okay. I just... What is the point (laughs) of Brighton staying in the Premier League like that? Like... What are they achieving? But I think it's not. I think at the moment it's just fear. It's like we don't, we don't want to leave. We don't want to leave the party. So we'll do everything we can to try and stay. So I think you know the aesthetics and everything else goes out the window. And your default response when you're scared of something, it's much easier to try and go. We'll defend. Yeah, but they haven't the, scored a goal in 700 minutes. Yeah, like yeah, you've it's got, You've just got to score a goal. Just go. Like, do you go down kicking and screaming, or do you just bend over? Like I, I'm, you've got to just like. But then Blackpool played football till the day they went down, and it was great, and we loved them, and yeah. it was brilliant, and they were contributed to that season in the Premier League. But they went down. If Brighton stay up, they and this point, that horrible point against Wolves, is what keeps them up. Then that's why other teams but will Brighton do it. If Brighton stay up, okay, fine. But then they have to approve next year. Brighton have been in the Premier League for the yeah, last two seasons, yeah. and they've not made progress. Like they made progress at the start of the season, they did pretty well. But then, as soon as Glenn Murray stopped scoring, they had no plan B, and they didn't play any creative players. They just played runners. They just played people who can run around lots, run, 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 run. They probably should play for Man United. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but they're. There's just literally no desire to play football other than stop the other team. I mean, we've talked about this philosophically about the Premier League probably for two seasons now in terms of we've seen a stagnation of about 14 teams mm. that are all very similar and the biggest driver is the fear of getting relegated. And so they're too scared to play football. It's like, well, we don't want to leave. So you've got, they're all very similar teams, similar in ability. And how do you change that? No, you know, I, I, so much money. I don't want to just disagree with you all day, Roger, because that's not what we're, it's not what we're about. But a little bit. A little bit. Because <laughs> I do, mostly. But I just keep to myself. 
I actually think that this year's a bit different. The, the, the I fact would agree that, with you, yeah. The fact that there are four or five teams that are in what they're calling the Everton Cup means that there are teams that are trying to play football, they're trying to buy players, they're trying to expand, they are trying to achieve something. Last season, we didn't have that. Last season, Sam Allardyce's Everton were, made, were able to finish eighth. Well, hold on, but we're, still, but we're still down from 12th to 20th. Yeah, well, no, the, I agree, but this season, the, the aspirational group is yeah. larger than last year's aspirational Slightly. group. Slightly. I also agree with John that I'm sick of it yeah. and if you ask a Norwich fan when Norwich got relegated ask them now you know, what would you what would you rather would you rather get relegated and then keep your season ticket go in the championship then start playing squash buckling football <laughs> squash, <laughs> squash buckling <laughs> well, was, do you know what I mean what yeah. would you rather as a supporter and then they're going to come up with that same level of confidence that that teams have come up and experienced before would you rather that or would you rather be Brighton and, and just sit there trying to defend yeah, it, it's crazy talk but then if you look at the bottom half of the league I think Palace have played some decent football Newcastle have Bournemouth have Burnley have not Southampton have Brighton have not Cardiff have not played decent football but they have a style that they stick to and they attempt to score goals um, and Fulham and Huddersfield are pointless Bournemouth but Brighton did a little bit at the start of the year like no, Jeff no. talking about his traps that Brighton set and you know like they, they, yeah. and they definitely contributed last year and Chris Hutton we talked about him being a good coach but I, I've changed my mind I think, I think, but, <laughs> but I think a lot of this is coloured by the fact that the last few weeks when the fears really kicked in and they've started getting sucked towards the relegation vortex, they've just been horrible. And also Bournemouth just switching off when they get to 40 points every year yeah. is just disgraceful. It's really ugly. You can't, you can't condone it. Like, if any team deserves to just not be there, I'm not like Bournemouth have all of the plaudits, but every single year you say it, they get to 40 points and then they just go, get on the beach because that's their job. Um, one other thing on this game, but on the other side of things. Mm. Uh, well, we're on the Brighton and Wolves game. If Wolves can figure out how to beat the shit teams over the summer, they're going to win the league. They are re- they're going to be a legitimate challenger for top four. Say the same about Everton, mate. No. Ever- Everton have one more point no, against top no. f- that gets top six than Wolves. No, no, Wolves. Wolves. Everton are just more flaky, whereas Wolves have got a genuine chance. They've got a genuine chance. They just can't beat the put away the teams that just sit there. Um, last two things on the Premier League before we move off it. Shane Long scored the fastest goal of all time. Yeah. My Good. most hated player. Wow. Um, He's in the record books now, John. He scored three and three. On um, fire. He's on fire. <laughs> Double his tally for his whole career. Um, I hate Shane Long. Um, and the PFA Team of the Year has been announced Ooh. a couple of hours ago. So, hot off the press. Team of the Year is in goal. Any guesses? Uh, Edison. Yeah, Edison. Yeah. Now, Jeff, you guess because I've seen it. Okay. <laughs> Uh, back four Van Dyke, yes uh, Robertson yes uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold yes and Man City have we already spoken John Stones mm, Laporte. Laporte Laporte midfield three midfield three Hazard no has he played up front no he's not in it didn't make it he didn't make it no, no. Hazard didn't sure. make it yeah it's ridiculous okay um, Sigurdsson no <laughs> Richarlison no. okay we'll end this <laughs> Fernandinho Pogba and Bernardo Silva, Bernardo Silva. so Pogba yes and then the front three Mane Aguero and Sterling yes Paul Pogba is in there you should say you said that Hazard's a shoe in though but I I agree Hazard's had a good season and is very very good but out of that front three who would you take out 
Why did you put him in midfield? You put him in midfield instead of Pogba, wouldn't you? Yeah, but then I feel like we're just trying to fit all the nice shiny players into he... it. He's not really going to play. Yeah, but they're not really going to play a game, are they? <laughs> Would you rather have Mane or Hazard in your starting team? Hazard. Hazard, yeah. Yeah, yeah you would every day. But Mane's been very Mane, good. Mane's brilliant. I love yeah. him. But you yeah. have Hazard every True. day. Yeah, good. Yeah, Interesting. Um, okay, let's move on to the championship. Rog, you're our championship resident expert. Have you got any... Uh, yeah, I don't uh, really want to talk about it this week because Bristol City are doing very well. But I think all that is to be said really is that Norwich are definitely up and they're probably going to win the league. Uh Leeds have choked. Leeds have choked. So we talked about the, you know, Bielsa being able to keep his teams going for a whole season and, you know, his methods can be quite taxing on players. And I sort of thought he was going to do it because we're definitely at the point here now. But they're falling apart at the wrong time. They lost. Um, there were a couple of losses in a row and Sheffield United have won. Um, I really don't want Sheffield United to come up because I, they will, again, Leeds are a big club. Mm. And if they came up, they... You bring know, some fans. They bring some fans. You know, bring a bit of money. Everyone would love going to the road again. Mm. It's a good thing. But Sheffield United will be more of a. We'll try and survive. We won't want to spend too much money because um, or be too expensive because there's a fair chance we might go down again. My, I do like their manager. But. I was going to say my only thing with Sheffield United, Chris Wilder, their yeah, manager, is awesome. He was manager of Northampton mm. and got them up from League Two to League One, and then took over at Sheffield United, took them from League One to Championship, mm. and now make take them to the Premier League and he's doing great like, I, know, I can't say I'm an expert on how Sheffield United play football I don't know whether it's expansive or great to watch or awful or I don't know but they're no, second it's kind of it's sort of meat and two veg but he's <sighs> getting, getting the best out of what he can no, but I'm I, sick of them already and they're not even up but, um, <laughs> the, but the slightly interesting thing is if Sheffield United do claim that second automatic promotion spot then the playoffs are looking very juicy because Aston Villa are going like a train at the moment. They've won yeah. uh, nine in a row in the league. Form um, team in Europe at, at the right time. They're the form team um, in Europe. Yeah, the best team in like whole of Europe. And, and you've got West Brom who will be there. So obviously that's a um, a derby. And then Leeds United are potentially going to be there as well. It's three big clubs, and then one of Derby, Middlesbrough, or Bristol City. Um, and Bristol City played Derby this weekend. We do, so it's a huge that game. That is a whopping game. Yeah, um, and so we're uh, one point behind them. Um, played the same. Middlesbrough are also a point ahead of City, but haven't played a game more. Quick question on the championships, both of you: Is finishing third as Leeds, so you drop out of the top two, you've been there all season, dropped third. Is that worse than coming fourth, fifth, or sixth? Like going with the momentum into the playoffs? Do you know? I would say. Usually, yes. Usually, that's the poison chalice. But Bielsa is such a pragmatist that mm. you would think that this year he he does what Guardiola does. He plays the way Bielsa plays every week, and if it's good enough, he wins, and if it's not good enough, he loses. I think that he probably he would. I mean, he's basically uh, he's autistic, isn't he? Yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. the way the way he, he's definitely the, on the spectrum. And that's not. I'm not accusing him. He he has used his. Um, I'm disappearing down a dark hole here but he, he has talents that other people don't have the, yeah. the way he sees the world yeah. which means he doesn't get emotionally involved in things. and he's, he's honest so, about them he knows that he so is. he would know that if he finishes third in the league then he has to win two more games and then he would get promoted to the Premier League and that is his task and his task is to set his football team up the way he wants to set his football team up and because of that of all of the times finishing third probably isn't to its detriment is if Bielsa's your coach any other year finishing third's 
a killer. And not, uh, and not that much has changed with the way that Leeds are playing, which I guess supports that. So, for instance, they lost the other day, but they still had 33 shots. Mm. Um, wow. If you put Timu Puki, yep. um, the Norwich striker, in the Leeds United team, Leeds would have walked the league this year. Their yeah. biggest problem has been, at the moment, they're relying on... Um, Oh, he's the young guy who used to play for Middlesbrough. Just hasn't quite. Oh, Patrick Bamford. Patrick Bamford. Grade seven in violin. There you go. <laughs> says, says all you need to know. Um, I'm not meaning no offence to any violin players <laughs> out there. But uh, the other slightly sad thing in the championship was that um, Ipswich and Bolton are both gone. gone. So the Bolton spiral continues. They can't pay their staff. They're they're in all sorts, and they're about to go down to League One. So that's not great. The um, other brief thing, not with the championship, but is League One. I wanted to touch on briefly. Um, there's a huge game at the weekend, so League One is very, very tight. At the moment, Luton are top on 91, so probably promoted. Barnsley second on 88 points. Portsmouth third, 86. Sunderland fourth on 84. So those four teams are, you know, still in with a shout. Uh, sorry, three teams, can't do my maths, um, of uh, automatic promotion. This weekend, Pompey and Sunderland play each other. Massive game. At Sunderland. At Sunderland. Now, they've recently, we talked about it, played mm. in the um, Checker Day Trophy final, and there was a massive crowd, great atmosphere. Yeah. Pompey came out on top, in, you know, and now they play each other again quite soon afterwards. The cracking game. You know, it's, also, it's, it's also a massive journey for the fans. For those who don't know England's geography, that's top to bottom. But there's, yeah, there's a, a, fair, a fair bit riding on that. So, um, thank you, Rog. Jeff, do you have a bit of an MLS we update? Yeah, I do. There's a someone who's um, grabbed my attention in the last week or so. You remember Carlos Vela? Arsenal wonder kid who was brilliant on champs. Villarreal, did he go to that after Arsenal? Yeah, possibly. Well, here's the thing. So, so for those who are fans of the MLS, Carlos Vela is is Mexican. Yeah. Uh, Mexican. He's top goal scorer in the MLS right now. Plays for LAFC. I mean, he's dominating. There, there's a the talk at the moment in the United States is that there's a the challenge between MVP is between him and Ibrahimovic. It's right. pretty early days, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's round eight or it's just past. But I, I look at the name Carlos Vela and I get kind of warm, fuzzy feelings. So for those that don't know, Carlos Vela was a wonder kid at Arsenal. So this is back in maybe 2005, 2006. Yeah. Um, he was coming through the ranks as a teenager at the same time Nicholas Bentner was. Right, So everyone everyone knows Lord, Lord Bentner. Um now, he on Football Manager, if you've ever played Football Manager, Carlos Vela was a wonder kid. So mm. Carlos Vela was the kid you'd buy and you only had to spend six million on him. I'm talking about a computer game right here. Six million on him and he would make your team better. So in the real world, when Nicholas Bentner was played by Arsene Wenger and Carlos Vela was on the bench or Carlos Vela wouldn't even get in the team, there was outrage. And this is when the internet was just starting to kick off, right? So there were, there were message boards and, you know, it was before the age of Facebook, it was when MySpace was still a yeah. thing. And um, people were banging, like, you could tell there was a division between people who liked a computer game versus people who watched football in the real world. <laughs> and everyone who liked the computer game loved Carlos Vela. Yeah. Everyone who watched football kind of realised that Nicholas Bentner might have been a bit better. But, 
still, uh, everyone was rooting for Carlos Vela. So Arsenal sent him out on loan three times, I yeah. think. Um, he went to Celta Vigo, uh, Salamanca, um, Osasuna. Osasuna. He went to West Brom. Uh, basically, Sociedad. became a journeyman until um, Sociedad finally signed him after his time there on loan. Scored 54 goals in 184 games, which, Rog, if we're going to like <laughs> flop out your stat... It's not, very, it's not as good as you'd expect for a centre-forward until he arrived in the United States. 24 goals in 38 games for LAFC and considered MVP worthy. He's found his level. Mm. Well, you say he's found his level. Like or, Bradley Wright Phillips did. Yeah. And Bradley Wright Phillips <laughs> was, was was absolutely excellent. So like, I went down a bit for MLS rabbit hole, which, which I like to because I do feel like that league is something that um doesn't get the international credit it deserves, especially when we live in a I'm going to call it a market like Australia when we struggle for any quality at all <laughs> and team of the week so there's a few players in, in the team of the week of week 7 which are it's Ibrahimovic Carlos Vela Neda Manua oh wow uh, X-Men City, City. <laughs> and where else QPR, QPR guess yeah. who else got centre back in team of the week Bastian Schweinsteiger centre back centre back god well, he's probably playing sweeper now. He's doing. He's, <laughs> he's playing the Franz Beckenbauer. He's probably got someone carrying him round, yeah. like literally carrying him. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like the just I, I takes free um, kicks. Do you remember when he played for Man United? That uh, was he, crap, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, I actually didn't he was it. past his best then. I dread uh, to think what he's like now. Bloody hell! I'm sitting here complimenting you, and you're all <laughs> talking about. Um, the last thing is is during my my rabbit hole. I found a list of the the top 50 attendances in global football. And amazingly, sitting there at number 10 is Atlanta United. Wowzers. Average attendance in global football. They are the 10th best attended club in the world. Still yet to win a game this year under Frank de Boer. No, they won their first game. Oh, Wow, Frankie Ball's back. Good on you, Frank. Frank. Go, go, Frankie. <laughs> Sorry, we ever doubted you. <laughs> yeah, do you know the, the 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 top is Borussia Dortmund? Yeah, wow. Yeah, it's absolutely brilliant. The best best English club is second at Manchester United. Um, uh, and I've just got to do a quick shout out to um, Everton at forty five. No one cares. Quick move on. Um, <laughs> has anyone got any side stories? I've got some quick ones. Go for it, Roger. Uh, quick fire side stories. Wayne Hennessy. Yes. Did he, anyone see this? Nazi, he Nazi. Bro. He doesn't know what the Nazis are. Fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> which, which, whatever the truth was in this, I was just appalled. What, one truth is that they're like, what's the best excuse we can come up with? Let's just pretend he's an ignorant fuck. Never heard of him. Uh, <laughs> or, it's so disgraceful. Or he's just an ignorant fuck. And I'm like, either of those things is really, really bad. Like, what the, is that real? Like, it's so wrong. Yeah, I'd, I'd sack him. Sack yeah. him tomorrow. Uh, in better news, uh, Raphael van der Vaart. Did anyone see this? Start playing darts professionally. Yes, he's a professional darts player. There's a picture of Raphael him. Raphael van der Vaart. There's a picture of him with um, uh, Barney. The, um, yeah. What's his... Uh, you know, van Barneval. Yeah, Barney van Barneval. The uh, famous Dutch darts player. I, I just saw the picture of it and I was like, in two years. So van der Vaart at the moment still looks quite similar to he did when he was playing. Like, he's a little bit more rotund, but <laughs> but still looks fairly ex-footballerish. But give him two years on the dart circuit, he will be a barrel. Spurs have come along the way, because Van der Vaart was too good for Spurs when he went to Spurs. Yeah. And now, look at him. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, last one. Uh, Diego Costa's been banned for eight matches. 
Did anyone see this? No. Uh, so um, he's been banned. I'm going to read this out to you. Uh, so in the ref- this is from the referee's report. Uh, stated that the 30-year-old striker swore and shouted and grabbed him on numerous occasions after he'd been dismissed. Uh, and so he's been banned for using insulting or offensive words towards an official and four games for the use of light violence towards referees. What he actually said to the ref was uh, a phrase in Spanish uh, that references defecating on his prostitute mother. (laughs) 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 Repeatedly. Wow. Diego Costa. There's there's rumours of um, him going to Everton. Well, wow. it hasn't worked for him. He would Atletico. fit into Liverpool well, I think. Yeah. <laughs> oh, John, you just, you just, ah, oh, you can't insult a city like that. They, they were the European capital of culture in 2004. I reckon everyone listening agrees with me. Um, <laughs> Jeff, do you have any side stories? No, we're done. I've got, um, I've got a few actually. Um, I got two. Carol Borsky. PSG's no, not Carol Borsky. Um, PSG won the league this week in France. They um, only named five substitutes because their squad's depleted by injuries or something. I don't know why. I have zero sympathy for PSG's squad depth. This is their bench. Buffon, Cavani, Neymar, Di Maria, Draxler. Yeah, that's a pretty good bench. No one in that bench costs less than £40 million. It's a disgrace, isn't it? It's ridiculous. Did you see that they lost uh, the week before? They lost 5-1. Yeah. I love that. Like I hate that they won the league again at a cat complete canter, but I loved seeing them lose five one. Um, my other thing was at Watford's game this week against Southampton when Shane Long scored the fastest goal of all time. You know we complain about the A League; they have like Star Wars week and various mm. other crap gimmicks. Watford this week um, because there's a new John Elton John movie out. Um, they rewrote the lyrics to Rocket Man. And made them a Watford version, and they put the sheets on people's um, seats so that you could take out the sheets out of an envelope <sighs> and sing along to the oh, song, no. which was sung by Watford legend John Barnes on the pitch at half time. Oh my god! It is the most cringeworthy piece of crap. I have to watch that. And then, <laughs> yes, it's awful. And then afterwards, John Barnes did the um, World in Motion rap. Oh yes. <laughs> Just because. Did he wear his ivory suit? <laughs> he wore a suit. Oh. Um, you just. This isn't a side story, but talking about Watford made me think of it. You know, they won. Or they drew two all. Uh, at the they drew one all. In the, no, no, no. The, there were two lots of games that we've had. They since. beat Huddersfield 2 1. Oh, sorry. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. Delefeo's goal. Wobbly leg again. Yes. <laughs> it's back. We were like, we'd, we'd never see it again. And there it was. It was back. I'm like, oh. He can do it under bars. Yeah. <laughs> and he probably had about 36 seconds to stand there. Yeah. Everyone stood off him. He's just, well, they didn't even stand off him. They were in the perfect position for defenders once again. He's like... Bowing. It is wonky wand. Yeah, outrageous. <laughs> um, let's go on to end feature. Jeff, you got a song for our uh, end feature? Yeah, I've been do. a couple of weeks. You've written a new one. Same. Oh, oh, there's Jazzy. <laughs> he went Jazzy at the end. Elton John's gonna pick that one up for us. <laughs> so last week uh, we all lost, so we'll move on. Uh, Jeff, what's your bet for this? Week? Okay, so for once, I'm, I'm. It's a double. It's a multi. Ooh. I think there are going to be over two and a half goals in the Leicester Arsenal game. Okay. Now I say that because Arsenal are away 
and the stuff he is playing. <laughs> yes. So I predict a goal, goal fest. fest. Don't good. know who's going to score him. Don't care. Um, and I think Cardiff are going to beat Fulham. Nice. Four dollars forty-five. Solid. Uh, mine's Rog. really boring this week. Uh, Southampton are going to beat Bournemouth. Spurs are going to beat West Ham. It's paying uh, $2.83. That is the most underwhelming bet of the season. Just as we're coming to the climax of the season, it's all very exciting. I just boring. didn't see much this week. Um, I have also beat, bet on Cardiff to beat Fulham this week. So Cardiff are playing Fulham away, and Cardiff have to win. And Fulham, well, Fulham are shit, apart from when they play at them. Oh, and they beat Bournemouth last week, so they've won two in a row. Maybe they're good. Maybe this is a bad idea. Um, but I've put money on Cardiff. And I've also put money on Everton to beat Palace. Because Everton are on a bit of a run. Palace are shit at home. Um, and I just think Everton are going to win. And those two are paying 8.39. I was going to put money on Palace oh. to beat Everton. Oh, really? Yeah, because Everton are really crap away. And they only show up in big games. It's a big problem. I just think Sorry. Everton, after their 4-0 win against Man United, are now going to go on and win everything forevermore. So I thought, might as well put money on them. Yeah, good. Good. Um, is that everything? Has anyone got anything else before we go? No. No? Thanks for listening, everyone. It's been uh, great to be back in the shed. We will be back here next week. As always, if you want to get in touch, shoot us an email at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram. And don't forget to tell your mates, leave us a review. And thanks for listening. Um, Bye, guys. I've got one. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Probably, I've right. just... Uh, same time. Oh, it must be um, something really important then. You go, uh, Jeff. Well, you were just talking about um, Elton John, right? <laughs> <laughs> I heard, uh, you know, Ricky Gervais? Yeah. Uh Oh, I heard Ricky Gervais tell a story about David Bowie. Do you want to hear Ricky Gervais' story about David Bowie? How long is it? That's only short. So, you know, David Bowie was a, in extras. Yeah. The Ricky yeah. Gervais show in extras. Yeah. So, I suppose the, it, the way um, Ricky Gervais says it is he co-wrote a song with David Bowie. Because remember, he, that stupid yeah, yeah, little yeah. fat man song yeah. in extras. Very good. If you've not seen it, download it. It's very good. Um, so, he was on the phone. He goes, the last one of the last conversations I had on the phone before he died was when he... Um, before the, before the show when they were, he hung up on him so David Bowie hung up on Ricky Gervais because he said on the phone he's like okay so I'll write some I'll write some lyrics if you just um, write write a song I want it to be a bit kind of you know like Life on Mars Supposedly David Bowie just around right great I'll just pull the fucking Life on Mars out of my arse good one and then just, just <laughs> hung up the phone on him how good's that how did you get to that from Elton John oh you're yeah. talking about Elton John the same same aren't they Elton John David Bowie yeah good wow what was your point, Uh All I can say was we've got three weeks left. Of the season, yes. Uh, so we, and we'll, we will have a special... End of season awards. End of season awards ceremony. So four weeks left. Yeah, four weeks, I reckon. Comes the end of the season. It's emotional. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for listening, everyone.